dropping in for the plugs just before the start of episode 70 of The Winning Agenda. I want to mention two things really quickly. Firstly, I want to talk about The Winning Agenda's YouTube account. What's that? The Winning Agenda have a YouTube channel and you didn't know about it? Oh my god. So when you're not in your car or on your walk or at the gym listening to our sultry baritones, infuse your brain with netrunner knowledge. You can be on your couch or on your desktop or on your phone when you should be working. Instead, watching some of our fantastic videos that are up on our YouTube channel, many of which... All thanks to our Patreon supporters. What a segue, Brian. We have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. There are a number of different reward tiers. You can throw any amount of ducats our way. We'd really appreciate it. At the time of this recording, there is only one $20 slot left. So if you would like some one-on-one coaching from the Winning Agenda panelist of your choice, I advise you jump on really quickly to our Patreon and sign yourself up. For that reward to you. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We love you all very, very much. We hope you had a gas Valentine's Day. Enjoy episode 70 of The Winning Agenda. Good evening and welcome to episode 70 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2015 regional champion and 2015 Australian Nationals top 8 competitor Wilfrey. 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 Wilfrey Horrig. How are you, Wilfrey? Hi. 2014 Australian Nationals champion and... 2014 world's top 16 competitor jesse marshall hello and i'm your host brian holland and we're going to talk as promised last week about the current meta post mwl we touched on this a a few episodes ago about what we were speculating would change and and how things are going to look but now we've all had a chance to play in a few tournaments we've uh, tested quite a bit online and uh, we've we've got some feedback in general so uh, jesse i believe you've probably um, done the most testing and play out of out of us out of all of us so why don't you uh, start us off yeah so i thought um what we might do tonight is go through all of the factions and talk about how they've been affected by the most wanted list um, Should we start with Corp or Runner? What do you think, guys? Uh, runner. I think you should start with uh, Runner. Runner? Runner. Okay. Anarch? Anarchonistic? Alphabetical? Okay, so starting with the Anarch side uh, on, on the Runner. So what do we think is the best TLs? Obviously, as you did mention last week too, there's been a bit of a resurgence in um, Eater, Siphon, slash Keyhole decks. Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things about the Most Wanted list and what it did for Anarchs is that it made Clone Chip more difficult to play. Uh, and Clone Chip was a card that enabled people to play uh, regular rigs, play recursion rigs, and play more complex rigs, um, but also leverage things like cache. Sorry, also leverage things like cache repeatedly um, and build up really quick, speedy economies with noise. Uh, and one of the interesting things that's happened uh, because of Clone Chip no longer being as easy to play in noise is that noise has slowed down a little bit um, and people have had to rethink exactly what sort of breaker suite and what sort of strategy they want to use for the early game because early game has always been uh, a bit of a weakness for those sorts of Anarch decks that are trying to put together Wild Cakes, Aesops, etc. You've got a whole lot of resources that don't deliver you anything in- immediately but deliver you a massive benefit in the medium term. Um, but in those first few turns, if you don't have the right opening hand, you can find yourself getting behind Astrobiotics, particularly. Uh, so with Noise getting a, a little bit slower and possibly losing a little bit of early game uh, momentum, we've seen a lot of people turning to Max and Max has always been there or thereabouts and Max has always been a powerful option uh, but with people really discovering how powerful Faust is 
they've started to slot Faust into Max um, and started to use the extra card that you get every turn from Max in addition to oftentimes a uh, Wild Cakes engine to power sort of Faust siphon strategies or just Faust medium strategies or a range of different things. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's the right way to go with Max? And given that we've seen how powerful Faust can be, but we've seen that out of noise when you can really rely on getting the Wild wild Cakes thing together, whereas Max, you've, you've got a much finite amount of time as you're losing three cards every turn. You do have to more heavily rely on the levy to keep you in the game long term. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are now going double levy, um, which I think is the right call if you're going to be playing Faust uh, and Max, because I haven't done the turn calculations, but if you're playing uh, Wild Cakes and Max, you're going to be going through your deck quite quickly. Um, Inject is another one that's mm, really good. If you're playing, um, it, yeah, particularly if you're looking for two resource pieces for a combo that you want to put together early, being able to inject and know that you're going to be chucking them in your group if you do see them in the top four uh, is quite good. It's kind of funny at the moment since they have as much diversity as Shapers and Criminals combined, which is kind of unfortunate, but, you know, we'll let them have their time in the sun, given that uh, for any of you who have been listening, not listening, for any of you who have been playing for a very long time, uh, Anarchs kind of were pretty miserable for about a year at the start of the game. Um, which And those days are long behind us now. So I think yeah. the three major types of Anarchs that we do see currently uh in general are one uh noises which is kind of a category of its own because of how the noise idea ability influences your deck building um to the either the ether or faust um siphon decks so like like the Fury Road deck that we're seeing now and basically all all of its derivatives where you use AI breakers and uh, things that really work with AI breakers, like saying that Faust goes in your Anarch deck, it doesn't really narrow it down, but I mean using run events and um, AI breakers to uh, along with the huge Anarch draw engines in order to give you uh, in order to power strong run events like Account Siphon or Vamp or Apocalypse or um, Wanton Destruction or whatever you want to do. And then the... I think it's worth also mentioning those support cards there, Wilfie, um, because I think that's one place that the metagame is quite interesting. David is something that people often pair with Faust to be able to get through those bigger ice that people play as Faust foils, things I wrap around, um, and big multi-sub sentries. David's really good, Faust David's a really good combo, but I've seen a lot of people cutting down on their Corroders and or Mimics. People seem to sort of play one or the other, um, which can leave you open to Swordsman. Have you Mm. seen many people playing Swordsman? Uh, Yeah, I've I've seen actually quite a resurgence in Swordsman. It's, I think, quite reasonable given that lots of those decks have one Mimic or no Mimics at all. Yeah. and but the problem is it's kind of media like even if like since the third type of anarch is the looking for job style anarch with all regular breakers and clone ships which has gotten a lot worse now but i think still has uh exists in enough configurations and still has a a wealth of good cards to make it still playable and swordsman doesn't really do anything against that kind of deck it's kind of uh awkward to try and fit swordsman in your decks especially in your genteki control decks it's okay it can be okay splash just because it's really hard to it's really difficult to expect and 
if you can actually get them with it, it can be powerful. But just the fact that Faust uh, and either especially Faust, costs so few credits to install mm. means that yeah. uh, means that if even if you can get a Faust, it's very easy to find a second or third Faust. And since Faust or either themselves are all you need to basically to complete your rig. Uh, Swordsman, I think, isn't as good as it seems. Although it still is a fine tool, especially if you pair it with regular breakers that keep um, Anarchs out or Faust decks out. Regular Ice. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Especially if yeah. you compare <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. Especially if you uh, combine it with regular Ice, gear check Ice that keeps the runner out, that can be a good one-two punch in order to help you actually score in the... Corpse actually score in the early game. But so, like, the fact that Anarchs have these three decks, all of which are powered by basically uh, some draw, some extremely strong draw power and some credit generation, of which there are, like, lots of types which you can play, um, really yeah. give Anarch multiple ways to attack um, the format. And so, even if you know what identity your opponent is playing, you can't really be sure as to what sort of things one what sort of rig they are used to get into your servers um because those these kind of parts are interchangeable two whether they're going to be trying to set up a like a longer game uh economic solution or just go for burst economy and three how they're going to uh deal with respond to your threats like how how they are they going to try and aggressively trash your economy or are they going to try and ignore you and like set up some uh, later game power turn. And I think the, the, all these factors combined means that Anarch is in a really good place right now because it's not really certain on the corpse side what sort of strategy... And, like, all of these things are viable strategies and they all can kind of uh, mix to create something, like, good. And it's almost yeah. as if corpse decks are still trying to figure out what the best way to go about combating those strategies is. Well, I think I've that seen. the key yeah. the key is that there's no one way to combat all of them yeah. other than pl- going really fast. And I think we can talk about that a bit more when we talk about Nearth Hub later. But um, what you're what you've touched on there, Wolfie, is that you can play those slower rigs and those slower economy engines. I mean, you can play liberated accounts, you can play day jobs, you can play regular breakers. You know, Yog Corroda mimic. Um, and if your opponent doesn't know that you're doing that for the first few turns and assumes that you're playing fast, which you sort of have to assume the worst if you're a corp a lot of the time, they can give you the time that you need to set up with your with the, with those regular tools. So the, the existence of Faust is very much like the existence of um, Mid-Season Scorched in Near-Earth Hub before the Most Wanted list, in that it, that forced runners to be more cautious. The existence of Faust in Anarch decks cor- forces Corpse to be more cautious, which buys those regular um, Anarch rig decks uh, some time to set up and means that the, the Corp is going to be on the back foot more often than not. Uh, so if we're going alphabetically, next one we're talking about is criminal. So I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a, a mad resurgence in <clears throat> I've seen a mad resurgence in Leela across the table from me when I'm playing Corp. How have you guys felt? I think a lot of people have been playing Leela post worlds because Dave did quite well with it, um, yeah. and people have been trying that out as there are a lot of people who played criminal for a very long time who are. Um, familiar with the criminal playstyle and wants to be able to play a criminal deck, which I understand. And they, I think, saw Dave do really well with that deck and wanted to see whether it would, you know, work for them in the current metagame. So I think a lot of people are certainly trying it out. Um, Dave is very, very skilled 
with that yeah, deck really uh, and with criminals in general. Yeah. yeah, and and I think it does have a much higher barrier to entry, and it's much more of a skill tester than your sort of good stuff anti deck. Not only do you have to remember your triggers, but there are a lot more choices for you to make throughout the game. Not only in terms of using your triggers uh, and when you steal agendas, but um, in terms of pacing yourself over the game, Andy forces you to have a particular tempo curve, whereas Leela's tempo is a lot more difficult to figure out and you need to be more flexible, which can be quite difficult. Would you say that the perception of Leela as like a yellow killer is has changed post-MWL or do you think that that's mostly the way in which people should be building that to building that identity. I think it's definitely a yellow killer. Um, account siphon has always been so, um, even more so with the higher barrier to playing Scorched Earth and Tag Punishment in yellow. But I think even if you're playing very cautiously as the Leela player, you can still really punish NBN decks um, with your account siphon and your bounce ability. Though I don't find Leela to have such a bad matchup against a lot of control decks because whilst it's not reliable that you're going to be able to steal agendas on the turn that they install advance advance, being able to bounce something that the corpse install advance advance is just such a blowout. Um, So yeah, I, there's a lot of upside to Leela. I think what I would say on Criminal generally um, is that one of the issues is card draw. We've seen Anarch struggled for so long not having consistent card draw engines, and then suddenly they got Inject and I've had worse and um, adjusted Chronotype, and the faction has just completely taken off without having necessarily many other new tools other than Faust. Um, I know Faust is very powerful, and we've just talked about that, but... Um, I think the card draw has been just as important because it's about consistency. So for Leela, when I talked about the difficulty of the tempo curve, part of that is that you need to spend a lot of clicks drawing cards in Criminal manually, which is probably the worst action in the game. Um, oh no, it's better than it's better than clicking for a credit, but it's still pretty bad. You don't want to be doing it, and you want to be able to build your deck to minimize the number of times you have to do it. Uh, and unfortunately for criminals at the moment, they're the runner faction that has to do that action the most. Yeah, I mean. I know we've had our problems with it, but uh, we've pointed out in the past that Criminal has less card draw and more card selection. So, I mean, I, I remember fondly at the time, this was some time ago though, playing Mr. Lee. Do you think cards like that might might come back or are there still those inherent problems that will keep those cards from seeing play? Wilfie, you've probably played more Mr. Lee than uh, anyone sure, else. Yeah, I, Mr. Lee used to be okay for a very short period of time. The problem is that Siphon has just gotten worse and worse. Like, not that's bad now, but just siphoning your opponent, like, multiple times in a game doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily a death knell for corpse like it used to be for the first year of the game or whatever and like is that because assets have gotten better one asset economy has gotten better uh before you basically had to use only burst economy as far as i remember i I, know no historian but like that seems to be how i recall it but now you can actually build a reasonable economic engine using both asset and burst economy rather than just there just being no good asset economy and you have to rely on burst economy for most of your corp decks. And I think that ties into one of the other things that's changed about corps, which is that your R&D is less vulnerable for a range of reasons, including global food initiative and your ability to play lower agenda density and the fact that agendas in general are better, so you have more selection as the corp, mm-hmm. which means that um, account siphoning someone and keeping them low for a couple of turns isn't as high value as what it was before. 
Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, thing? but I, I would say that card draw is still the main issue. Like, I, I'm working on a Andromeda list at the moment just because, you know, uh, I want to play. You like having nine cards at the start of the game and, yeah, and, and it's good. You know, like, yeah. uh, and, like, I've just tried everything to fix the card draw problem. And, like... Mm. Are you playing... Um... Uh, street peddler for a while in an Andy list. I, uh, I was playing street peddler. Now I've switched to quality time, uh, build, building it slightly differently. But like uh, honestly, uh, and then I was playing drug dealer for a bit, and uh, I'll try anything to get it to work. And like yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's just Bring back those glory days. Especially with the desperado pointing, which I think is you know I'm not gonna like complain as to whether it's good or not. But that just your you basically have no influence to spend on luxury. Uh, Things on importing things like card draw when you already have to import the basic tools of the faction. But like you know, we're not. I'm not here to complain about that or whatever. I'm. I just think that's the biggest issue. And I think that uh, conversely, as Jesse said, uh, I've had worse. I think was the most imp- has been the most important uh, anarch card for ages. Like mo- most important anarch card that's been printed in the last like ages, just because of how efficiently it solves that problem and. You know, while also solving it, it solved two of the main problems that Anarch had, basically. Yeah. Some of our listeners may think they were just trying to beat these dead horses by going back to old favorites like Andy. Do you do you think there's any room for development in IDs such as you know Ken Tenma, which has been getting a bit of attention I've seen on on a few forums online, or is it you still think uh, shooting for the consistency that you tended to get with Andromeda decks is what we should be trying to do? Oh, I don't don't think that Andromeda is necessarily the best identity. I just think that like if criminals already have the worst time drawing cards then I don't see why you would want an identity that gives you more credits, which criminals have in spades, <laughs> over ways to mm. draw your cards. Um, but I do, I will point out that someone posted a very interesting list of cards on, like, I don't know if this is relevant, but <laughs> someone posted a very interesting list on uh, Stimhack about, like, cards that they think are playable, and, like, the number, the number of criminal cards in the last two years that go on that list are, like, Oh, yeah, so there's low. maybe mm. two playable cards yeah. when Anarch has like 20, 15 yeah. to 20. Like, I think it was that, there was that article where they were talking about the, the, the actual number of unique Netrunner cards, which is like 630, and the percentage that actually see play in competitive decks is like 1% or 2% total, some astonishing number. And then when you break it down into factions, it's really quite quite crazy how much many more cards in Anarch see competitive play as opposed to the other factions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have been the same article. Yeah, that comes back to what you were talking about earlier, Wilfie, which is options in faction. Um, and the fact that you have... I think Noise is probably the narrowest identity on the runner side that sees play, in that, it, as you said, it pushes you in a particular direction. Um, but it's powerful enough, and the card pool is supportive enough of that direction to make the deck good, whereas there's nothing really like that in Criminal or Shaper, which means that the diversity of cards that gets played is much smaller because you're just looking for the best cards generally or the cards with the generally the highest power level most of the time yes i agree um i, I will just say quickly that i think I, I underrated mongoose or maybe not me underrated mongoose but i think it's actually good i think that it has yeah we collectively probably did yeah, yeah. i think i think so too I, mean, I think someone uh, uh i saw someone someone likened it to how a lot of decks seem to be dealing with centuries is by having a two-card combo, you know, and they're referencing things like, you know, Dagger and Switchblade and things like that. So having a deck with two Mongooses in it to deal with two different, you know, centuries mm-hmm. is and, not a bad way to go about yeah, things. Yeah, and they work on their own. Yeah. And, um, 
like you don't it doesn't force you to play any support cards to work with it it works in basically like it, you never it's not like mimic where mimic data sucker where sometimes they can uh trick you with cyber decks uh as long as you have credits which of course you sometimes might not have but it can let you get through anything i think one thing that's worth mentioning just on that point about criminal cards recently um it seemed as though the designers took a deliberate decision to hose down the power of criminal after Andy, because it well because it was so ascendant for such a long time uh, and we saw shaper have its time in the sun with kate decks being so incredibly popular in probably the year leading up to the mwl um and now we're seeing anarchs really being the prime runner faction for the first time which is kind of good because we spent a lot of time bemoaning how bad anarchs were so it's not the worst thing in the world but it is I would, you know, obviously cards are designed a long way out, but I would hope that the designers had the foresight to see that we would be in this situation and that we are going to see some more criminal tools coming soon, particularly to deal with that card draw problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we move into Shaper? We, we could possibly quickly actually mention how bad Fisk Investment Center oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, Shaper gets Diesel. Anarch gets iPad worse, and Criminal gets Fisk Investment Seminar. Do you want to... I mean, I think both of us have talked about this at quite a bit of length, Wilfie, why it's so bad, but do you want to, for our listeners, maybe just quickly run through that? Uh, Oh, okay, sure, fine. Fist Investment Seminar is not, uh, like, the worst card in the world, but just the number of deck-building constraints it gives you compared compared to i guess maybe that's not a good way of putting it basically physical investment seminar like it's perp like diesel and i've had worse help you in the time where you need cards the most which is on turn one and two when you're trying to get your burst a uh, economy your rig basically everything set up whereas fist investment seminar is the opposite it's basically only good when you're already set up or when you're so close to setting up that you can immediately leverage the cards that you're you give your opponent to give you some sort of benefit otherwise the card has no value at all basically if you can't do that it's not even i'm not even sure whether in most situations it's good to play it like no but and that's not because it doesn't give you the benefit because you're still getting the same amount of cards as diesel but just because the benefits of the corp of getting three cards if you're not exploiting that by placing pressure on them it's such a big benefit for them and so you have to, there's only a very narrow point in time in which you can actually turn that drawback of giving the opponent three cards into neutral or a benefit, like completely unlike Diesel or iPad Worth, which are sick at any point in the game. All right, moving on to Shaper. Um, I, I know since Carla Goethe's come out, I've been having quite a bit of fun with Maya. Uh, Jesse, uh, as our resident uh, Shaper, just green player in general. If you you seem to like the color green, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> like, um, how, how have you found it? Have you, have you, is Kate still working working her magic for you? Yeah, I mean, like Thorn Elemental is one of my favorite cards. Come on, <laughs> we one one Otherwise, our listeners will get angry. <laughs> yeah, so I have. I think somewhat controversially continued to play professional contacts even through the um, halcyon days of uh, prepaid Kate. Um, I I know a lot of people later on in the reign of prepaid Kate started playing professional contacts as well, Uh, but I've always tried to uh, stick to a a different economy package as well. Um, And I think that the pointing of prepaid, or sorry, the addition of prepaid 
voice pad to the most wanted list meant that people were looking around for different economy packages and um my somewhat some would say second rate economy package that i'd been playing suddenly became something that everybody had to consider um and it's been working pretty well for me i've been enjoying the return to stealth for all the reasons that I outlined in the deck tech and in our previous discussions. I think it's pretty well placed in in the metagame at the moment. It can sometimes be a little bit slow. It can sometimes struggle against um, food coats depending on you know if you make the wrong call, if you start trashing assets thinking you can keep them poor that way and they've actually got like all their economy assets early, obviously that can be difficult. But in general, it's a versatile deck. It deals with the main archetypes in... Um, you know, food coats and NEH quite well, but it also, as we discussed at the sort of silver bullets discussion, deals quite well with all the other off-the-wall stuff that you find. So, yeah, I've been enjoying that. In terms of other shapers, um, you've got the Brian Holland special Chaos Theory Bagbiter deck. Yeah, um, which is that's, it's just remarkably consistent, but uh, it's a, it fires like a glass cannon. Like, sometimes you just lose, and that's fine. But you also just win quite a lot <laughs> as fine? well, which is dope, so... Yeah. Um, if people haven't tried it out, I reckon recommend you do it. Maybe don't bring it to like worlds or anything, but no, definitely bring, bring it, it to a store champs. Bring it to worlds. <laughs> no, I mean like you know, if you really want to play Bagbiter at worlds, we should. Uh, you know, yeah. the world's your oyster. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of other shapers, I uh, haven't had a chance to test out Jasminda yet. I'm really looking forward to trying out a uh, a Jasminda vamp sort of strategy, yeah. um, I, splitting that HQ and R&D pressure like we discussed. I've, I've tested a little bit. I'll admit I don't have a great sample size. I've played about 10 games. Um, but the current build we, we, was one you and I discussed, Jesse, which was sort of uh, still a stealth rig running off Magnum Opus using the power of Maya to get the extra... Uh, MU and then splashing our influence into uh, vamps, I believe, um, as well as lucky finds, HQ interface, uh, clot, etc. Uh, and it's very, very. It's Magnum Opus still feels very clunky, especially when coming off playing a professional contacts build. And I, I know everybody's gonna, you know, uh, lament uh, me saying this, or, but it still doesn't feel as good as Kate. Obviously, not every run is gonna feel as good as Kate. But it's just whether or not that uh, avoiding the tag ability uh, makes Vamp that much better, which I think it does. But at what cost is your playing Magnum Opus instead of Professional Contacts or um, you know an- another sort of economy engine, which is clunkier? And also, uh, you can deal with the tag that you get from Maya in any other shaper, such as Kate. Um, and it's very, very, it's much better ability, as we discussed when we talked about uh, Jasmine a few episodes ago in our Caligo card highlight. Um, it's better that she does remove it, but you really do feel the economic pressure of having to pay one and two and that extra credit every turn that you would otherwise be saving with Kate. Uh, so I'm going to test it a bit more, but um, I think it might just be uh, one of those runners which I think somebody who's a much better deck builder than myself would have to crack if there is a tier one strategy in there. The other variant of uh, Kate decks at the moment, other than the Professional Contacts build, is a Security Nexus build, um, and that has proven to be reasonably powerful. It's splashing in Sunny's console Security Nexus, which does cost 8, uh, but it's leveraging Magnum Opus to help with its economy early, um, and it's using Rabbit Hole to supplement the link of Security Nexus and basically blank the corpse best ice every turn. Um, in addition to just general sort of efficient breakers, that strategy can prove to be incredibly powerful, particularly in a metagame where we're seeing a lot of people trying out NBN's Tracer Ice as well. 
as well as a lot of ashes, as I mentioned in the last episode when we were deck teching um, uh, food coats. So if you're blanking ash, you're dealing really well with tracer ice. Uh, you're dealing well with tracers that are coming from any operations like sea source or mid-seasons, making it more difficult for you to die that way. And you're blanking the corpse best piece of ice every turn. That's a very powerful inevitability that you're building. So it's quite a good control deck. The difficulty of it with so many pieces is getting it together in time. Um, and, and that's the main challenge. It seems so. like like you can group all of these Shaper decks together, all, all the Shaper decks that people are playing nowadays, as far as I can tell, into the like nebulous category of, like, it's okay, but if you play against any deck that just installs a, you know, a remote and an ice on turn one, and then from there f- scores Astro, then fast advances everything else, it's very hard to win. Like, not that you can never get into a turn one server, but just that most of those decks are not can't really afford to be built to both get into a turn one server and also have a like consistent and robust economy package going into the late game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, the the stealth Kate list, as we discussed, is sort of more of a mid range list because you don't really have that inevitability and you're just trying to really attack R and D in the mid game. But um, and you're trying to yeah compete with Astro by being able to get in reasonably early. But if you're playing a sort of Nexus build that does have definitely a more powerful late game you could potentially run into a, a few more problems early if you're just sort of wanting to go magnum opus click four times on turn one. And I mean, like, yeah, the thing is that people will be like, you don't have to do that against fast decks you can run sometimes, but just that, like, most decks, most of the shaper decks are not really set up to be able to win a game doing that. Yep, and it's certainly going to set you back at least one turn, possibly more, if you do do that. And just briefly, while we've got a few minutes left, guys, the mini factions, which we uh, admittedly nearly forgot, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do we think? Where are they standing at the moment? Have we seen much development in their sort of sort of realm? What do you think? As someone who came out really hard for Apex initially, yeah, um, <laughs> how are you feeling? I'm going to bite the bullet. Yeah, I'm going to bite the bullet and say <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it's absolutely horrific, um, and I wish I'd never said a good word about it. Um, I'll go into more depth on that another time, but I think we can move on for now. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, like I think it is pretty funny that we like did a whole episode and didn't really realize anything was wrong until I was like, shouldn't we talk about the mini factions briefly? Because like going through what is competitive, no, none of the three just even come up, and like that's not necessarily due to like an issue with how they're designed. Like some of them. Like, I don't have that much experience with any of them, but all of them seem to have reasonably linear, consistent strategies. But just that when you have your card pool be so limited, even with a slightly higher influence count that you still really do need to import basic effects, your just ability to win a game of Netrunner is shot unless you do something really strange that just circumvents the whole, like, you know, things that are good in the game. And and you can win but you miss out on the enveloping shield of a faction, not only in terms of its card pool, but as you also say, Wilfie, in terms of not having a linear strategy that's evident to your opponent the minute you sit down and reveal your ID. Yeah, which is one of the reasons we always talk about how, how IDs like Hasbiroid Engineering the Future are really good. Yep, or just any Anarch at the moment. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and, yeah, and we did <laughs> even talk about that this episode with regards mm. to Anarchs. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's probably worth mentioning yeah. Adam quickly. Yeah, I oh, am. Um, yeah, sure, Sunny, sure. Sunny's completely off the radar. No, I haven't seen anyone play a Sunny deck for a long time. Uh, a few people are playing Adam. I think one of the things about Adam is that it's really, really good early. People don't know how to play against it. Uh, if you like double ice HQ, Adam is going to have a really hard winning, really hard time winning any game against you. If you double ice it on turn one or turn two, um, if you don't do that, but have some four to trash assets in your deck, Adam will also have yeah. a quite a difficult time beating you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't like Adam. I still think all of the things that we pointed out about it are valid criticisms and it is, it's going to struggle for consistency as people learn how to play against it. People can have success with it because the ability to have a free HQ interface and ignore one piece of ice or ignore one subroutine on HQ is powerful to have for free on turn one. But that doesn't mean that it's a viable strategy in the long term. So that was the runner side. Uh, I think we're going to talk about the Corp next week in episode 71. So in the meantime, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at winningagenda at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at winningagenda and you can go be our 501st like on Facebook. Well, hopefully... The page is the winning hopefully agenda. Hopefully more by the time this goes to air. Maybe. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, want to, you know, get too excited. Sure, but you shouldn't... Uh, <laughs> don't tell people to unlike us just so someone can be the 501st. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Okay, so until next week, guys, uh, thank you very much for listening. See you soon. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks.